0: Hello and welcome to Cheers PA Beer Talk. I'm your host, Mike Glintel. Today we are sitting down with Andrew Rubenstein. Ruby, as everyone knows and loves him by, he is a brewer and head of seller operations for 2SP in Aston, Pennsylvania. Ruby, thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. So uh, one of the first things we like to get out of the way is just the beer that really brought you to craft. Like, do you have a memory of a beer that was different, that stood out to you like, you know what? I wanna know more about this. I wanna be about this. Is there something there?
1: There's two stories behind that. One is just like basically the first time that I had craft beer. I think I was in high school, I found the one shop that would, you know, you could walk in and they would just sort of, you know, look the other way when you were putting the cash down, but it was Brooklyn Brown Ale was actually the first beer when I had a little bit of extra money and uh, I just wanted something that I actually enjoyed the taste of. Brooklyn Brown Ale was the one that I always went for. The other story being more so how I became a brewer was when I was in college, uh, 21 at this point, I started really getting into a lot of sour beer. And barrel age beer. And I realized as a college kid, there's absolutely no way that I could afford these bottles of beer that are like $20, 30 So basically, I just thought to myself, well, why don't I just try and make it? So I did a little bit of research and did it at home, found that it was a lot more difficult than I thought it was. So the one beer that I'm talking about in particular was, I think, Canteon Goose. I know it was one of the Canteons, it, and it was like a lot more accessible back then. It wasn't like it is today when you can't find it anywhere. Uh, I feel like maybe most people didn't know about it. Yeah, that's how I got into brewing and craft beer was, you know, all the sour beers and all the expensive
0: stuff. I just wanted to save some money and just make it myself. Well, it's interesting that you started with a brown ale and then found your, which is a very, it's a square box in terms of like, when you make a truly great brown ale, there are certain notes that you have to hit, uh, in my opinion, that are just like, okay, this is a brown ale, you know, it can't be too hoppy, it has to have the right malt structure and, you know, the yeast just kind of in there, but don't do a whole lot. Uh, But then you went the complete other direction and found the most complex and artfully made forms of not just a single time, but over many instances, and then the greatest of those parts coming together, like, it's fascinating, the journey that you took. Um, I I just, I I know what I like, and you know, it's not hard.
1: You can think about it that way, or you know, when something's presented to you, you just take it as it comes, and then, you know, you can look at it that way after the fact, and that's kind of how I approached it. I like what I like,
0: and I couldn't really control it, so it's just what was put in front of me at the time. Absolutely. Well, whoever put that in front of you you should probably have gotten that a very nice gift. That is a, a nice thing that they did for you. So you said that's the one that made you want to pursue craft brewing when you yeah. had that canción. So you've been sparked by wild fermentation. You've got an interest in making beer. How did you find yourself into the cellar at 2SP?
1: The story behind that goes I think it was about uh, seven or eight years ago. Uh, Bob Barrar, who's the head brewer here, he pulled me aside. We were both working for Iron Hill at the time. I think when he pulled me aside, I was there for maybe like two ish years, something like that. So we were actually at Two Stones Pub. Uh, all the brewers in the company met for a tasting, and we all went to Two Stones Pub afterwards. And he pulled me aside and he's like, hey, don't tell anybody, but I'm leaving. And I got my eye on you if you want to come with me. So then fast forward a year after that, I put in my two
0: weeks. And then about a month or two after that, we started construction on 2SB. Wow. So from the beginning, I mean, for, to catch someone like Bob's eye, to say, like, there's, some, there's something here. Because at that point, he's, what, 20 years in something like that? And just, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. It just, and accomplished in those 20 years it wasn't just like you know putting in the time like the guy has done things in his career and he looks at you and he's like hey let's do this
1: it actually came down to one specific moment we were doing one of those tastings company-wide all the brewers in the company we were tasting a bunch of Russian Imperial Stouts which is what Bob wins a lot of medals for so everyone unanimously kind of went with this one beer and there were three beers on the table left after I think like five or six. Uh, so everyone liked one, including Bob, and everybody was sort of like, you know, if Bob likes it, chances are that that's the one that should go. And I really liked the other one for a lot of different reasons than everybody else was speaking up about. And without knowing what these beers were, I pinpointed that, you know, this one beer is maybe like six or six or 12 months older than the other one. And I understand that those are the flavors that people are looking for. But I made my case that the beer that I enjoyed, which was, you know, maybe six or 12 months younger, had all these flavors that I enjoyed more and why I thought that should advance. And they're like, yeah, that's a good argument, but we're still going to go with this other one. And then they said, which was which. And it was like exactly what I said, like six or eight months younger, the one that I chose. And everybody looked at me and they're like, Wow, like you got a good palate.
0: That's pretty cool. And so that it that was the moment when he was like, "Yeah, this kid gets it." So that's awesome. And you're right. I mean, those are the ones that have won the award. So I'm not surprised that if you stood out, tasting through things is so difficult, and you get palate fatigue. You know, you could be having an off day. Depends on what you had that morning. You know, to yeah. so to keep your instrument fresh. And you know, I'm I can't imagine how many barrels are you managing. Today, I mean, what are you? What are you working with over there? Uh, like barrels, like you know, like like different projects, physical different wood barrels. Yeah, or like how yeah. Many, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, physical wood
1: barrels. I have no idea. Yeah. But uh, as far as like styles, we probably do at least forty or fifty a year. Yeah. Um, you know, we try and get together at the beginning of every year and sort of map out a plan for the entire year. But when it comes down to it, it's just sort of like you know, twenty barrels in a and t- available in a tank, and just throw whatever you want in
0: there. You know a lot of times you're just making stuff off the cuff so but. i love the story behind antonym i think that is spectacular i'm so excited to see anyone just putting that big middle finger up to the establishment saying i'm brewing a farmhouse beer i'm i'm going to showcase french yeast yeah what were you were you scared were your palms a little sweaty when you're doing now it was total no. confidence I guess like
1: the exact moment when uh, it was available for competition. I did like, they said the the bronze medal and I just sort of put my head in my hands. and I was like, oh no, I have a really good feeling about this. And then they said, 2SP Antonyme, I just, I was actually sitting next to my mom. It was the first time that I brought my mom to GABF with me. That's awesome. And then she just started screaming and I looked up and I was like, oh man, this actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty cool, it was my first solo medal. I had won medals with Iron Hill before with beers that I had made, but you know, they're not my recipes. They're just Iron Hill recipes. Uh, one was a triple one was a Vienna red lager, but this one was mine from
0: start to finish. Yeah, man. You always love your firstborn; Nothing like it. So you should be proud of that. Uh, so that beer lives on summers around the corner. I think there's, in the five years, the opinions on those types of beer, and you know, we're moving away from the uh, the over shandification of summer beers. Like, there's a place for a farmhouse style a grisette, way more in package today than there ever was when you were flying against the man out there and making that happen. Do you think that's something down the road we'd ever see in package, or is it still too much of a niche beer that it just has to live the way that it does? Generally, you can definitely find
1: some Grisettes out there. I know Mm -hmm. Slime Fox makes one every year and they can it. As far as ours with the resources that we have, there's wild yeast that goes into that beer. So yeah, we try and keep that separate from yeah. all of our packaging equipment. So that beer will likely not see cans, but it has seen bottles in the past and could see bottles in the future. All of our bottling is done by hand. All the barrel stuff goes to this bottler. So that could be something that we would see just in like large format or maybe 500 milliliter, just glass bottles. But uh, yeah. as far as can, not so
0: much. Totally understandable. For, right?
1: for us anyway.
0: Yeah, no, I totally understand that. And Sly Fox Crissette is always one that I get excited. It's a true sign of summer, you know, it's like, all right, we're here. Crissette, yeah, Thin cans. That's Let's a very good one
1: too. Another one that's won a ton of metal. So.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I would, uh, I drank a ton of off color when I lived in Chicago and nice. to, like anyone, like that's what made me realize that you can be different with brewing and like it's possible, it's not super profitable and large scale, but like if you know where you are and what you do and do it well. And commit yeah. to the craft i mean you can't they're artfully made beers and it's very similar to what you're doing with you know, some of the smaller batch things uh, you mentioned can That just there's two ways and both can be done artfully and done well it's just the business supports one over the other in my opinion but it doesn't mean there's not a place for some of that and i'm glad to see that you and 2sp and everyone out there that is part of that is you're doing yeah, it right.
1: I'm trying my hardest. It's, it's not exactly a style that makes our company a ton of money, but you know, that's not really for me to worry about with that specific style. That's just something that I want to make because I like the stuff that I make and I want to share it with other people. So I try well, not to make it about, you know, our company and ourselves all the time. I try and do some stuff for myself, do some stuff for people that appreciate
0: things that are a little harder to find. So I try and keep that in the mix whenever I can. That's great, man. And it's nice because you're talking about balance. And to me, that's what I've always found in any 2SP that I've opened. I think 2 Pills was the first beer that I had that made me say, Oh, what is this? Because to me coming here new, you see the wall at local 44, it's all just can art. And you're just like, what's this? What's this? And you can only, you know, limited budget. Like I can get one four pack. So nothing, nothing really stood out to me. And I It was summertime, and I tasted that Pils, and it blew me away, man. It had everything. It was crisp. It was proper. It was just wonderful. Yeah. I, I love that
1: beer. That's also another beer where, you know, standing up to something like an IPA or fruited whatever, you can't really compare them. Like I drink 20 pints of Pilsner for every like one IPA that I drink like in our tasting room, probably. But that's just me. You know, not everyone's like me. But uh, again, that's another beer that I kind of have to fight for. And, you know, there's definitely a place for it. And, you know, you're saying exactly what I think about it, too. So it's hard to deny that there is a place for that kind of beer.
0: Absolutely. And I think that in terms of like seasonally drinking, you know, we always talk about what you should eat seasonally. You should only eat tomatoes when tomatoes are in season. Well, you should only drink Saisons in the summer and you should only drink Pilsners. And like, save your heavy stuff for the winter and barley wines only after Christmas. You know, like there should be certain (laughs) rules and regulations to all this, but why can't we have that? that. You know what I mean? Like you flip the night, like, Oh, we're doing grisettes this month. You know, it's like, there are levels to how this should go. And I just feel like as we, the consumer swings back and forth and there's a huge swing that's currently going on in my opinion, away from some of the stuff and, you know, Opening people's minds up to pilsners and lagers and different beers because well I really can't drink 15 of these juice bombs because it's really not great on my gut so yeah. I would uh, you know let's figure how you know how much well, I saw a meme the other day it was like. Nine hundred calorie beers. They were talking about. It. I was like, when you really break it down, and you think about it. Yeah, that is a a time and a place. A once, it's a nice treat, but you can't make that your your right. whole thing. And so there needs to be the balance. And Pilsners can sure. do that for us.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's like you know, Pilsner is the beer that you actually drink. All those fruited, lactose, nine percent, whatever. That's something you trade a bunch of times, and then you share it with like five people.
0: Yeah beers for the community you know right. they're they're mo- more enjoyable uh, in small doses so one of the things that i always like to know is do you have any without naming any names funny beer festival stories have you seen some bleep
1: i mean where to begin what's appropriate
0: for something? yeah i mean it's just noon <laughs> yeah we're uh it's family show here Ruby. yeah
1: so Probably one of the funnier things I've ever seen, this is years and years and years ago when I was brewing at uh, Iron Hill Maple Shade, I was doing the Battleship Festival. So this festival, it's on, I forget what the Battleship is called, but you can see it right from across the river when you're going down Columbus Ave in Philly. It's pretty noticeable, but they actually let people onto this Battleship. (laughs) They give them a ton of beer. and. I think this is one of the festivals where they don't give you a taster glass; they give you like a like yeah. kind of a proper glass, uh, and then they just put the little line on it, and they're like, "Don't fill it past here." <laughs> so people people abide by that rule for maybe the first hour or two.
0: Yeah.
1: But you know, fast forward three hours, and the festival is sort of winding down. And you know, keep in mind it's a battleship, so the floors are made of metal, and it's summer, and it, you're drinking beer, and there's ice everywhere. So the floors are extremely slippery. And everyone oh, wow. drinking in the sun essentially for the past four hours. So everyone's slipping and everyone's, you know, just sort of losing their grips and, and then what happens, this giant circle forms, and people are just booking it into the circle and sliding on their stomachs, like all the way across the circle, and everybody's just cheering them on. It was the weirdest, funniest thing I think I've ever experienced at a beer festival.
0: That's amazing. That's one of the best stories I've ever heard.
1: Luckily, nobody got hurt, that I know of at least.
0: Yeah, it's better for the purposes of this story. No one got hurt, as we recall. But it was just everyone was having so much fun and being so stupid and just like, it was great. It was absolutely (laughs) hilarious. Oh man, that's great. Switching gears here, do you have certain... Gotta hear songs or artists that you're listening to on a brew day. I generally
1: have like a lot of control when it comes to what we play in the brewery. I think my number one choice, I listen to a lot of hip hop. I know Gangstar is a radio that gets played a lot. We listen to a lot of like classic 90s hip hop in general, a lot of metal, a lot of like motorhead. and like weird stoner stuff like Caius and so it really runs the gamut. I remember one time I played WWF theme songs for like three hours, <laughs> which was actually pretty fun. Everyone was really excited like, yo, I haven't heard this song in like 20 years.
0: So, yeah, I could not imagine matching in to Stone Cold Steve Austin just like <laughs> ripping bags of the cans and just, yeah, let's do this. I mean, come yeah. on, that is a great idea. I definitely uh, played his theme song uh what was it last
1: week on uh,
0: March 16th. So that was a fun day. Nobody got it, but I still played it. You got to keep fighting those fights, Ruby. That's what we need it for. You know, it's not for them yeah. to get it this time. Eventually, you know, and Stone Cold I, day, they're like, "Oh yeah, that. Cool." I think on uh, on 311
1: day, I played Amber on repeat just to piss everybody off in the brewery. And I think nobody noticed, which is a little concerning. I had yeah. to turn it off cuz I couldn't take it.
0: But Maybe they I do like 311, like... though, just not that song. No, it's especially on repeat. That song, yeah. I mean, it's once in a blue moon. You're like, all right, cool. But I can't believe no one came and complained to you because I feel like on the second time around. I'm like, all right, something's going on here. Yeah, we've reached that point where they just ignore music when I'm playing it because maybe they don't like it. I don't know. But... Who knows? Are there any artists that are banned either in the tasting room or in the brewery? They're just like, no, nah, we're not listening to that.
1: I got in a lot of trouble once. The song isn't banned, but our Friday, we have a a few Friday songs that we wait until we're pretty much done working. Like by the time we're cleaning up on Fridays, we're already having some beers. And so there's a song by Peaches that is, you know, rather explicit. I can't even say the name, probably. (laughs) But uh, there was one time where I, I had to leave work early, but I didn't get to play the song. (laughs) And my Spotify at the time was linked to the Spotify that plays at work. So we had a very family friendly night at the brewery. So I kept trying to play the song in my car when I was driving home and it wouldn't play. It would get about, you know, 30 seconds in and then it would just shut off. So I went onto my phone and I pressed play again. And it was shut off immediately. And then one of the guys here texted me and said, stop playing that song. And I realized <laughs> it was playing at the brewery with a bunch of like little kids running around and their parents. And I little and, kid anymore. Yeah, that, that did oh, not man. end well. So Try
0: not to play peaches
1: when there's people around.
0: Oh man. Well, I could see that being a, uh, quite an interesting conversation when you go back to work on Monday, you're like, hey, I mean, technology, what are you gonna do? uh my uh the owner of the company was not very happy he was here at the time so oh oh no well i noticed uh you guys have a pretty great uh food truck lineup on your website your tasting room is always a good time events coming down the pipeline as uh i saw you just did something for st patrick's day so you're still doing events and kind of warming back up for the summer i'm guessing
1: yeah i mean the great thing about uh, how we're set up here is we have a whole warehouse that we can you know set tables like more than six feet apart and we can open the garage door so there's plenty of air getting in so we can have a decent amount of people back there while still keeping up with all the social distancing guidelines we built a patio so people didn't have beers outside now that it's getting a little warmer um, but people stuck it out all winter like we were digging up snow so that we could set up the tables and people still sat out there and you know Hey, for a long time.
0: Well, it sounds hey. like the uh, your events page on your website. You know that's that keeps updated. Uh, your social media with uh, yeah. Facebook is probably going to be the best place for people to check out whatever's coming up yeah. as it's uh, just around the corner. I couldn't have an interview with you without asking: Do you drink coffee? And is Wawa coffee? Because I think Wawa coffee is the best coffee of the coffees available. Was that something that? you went you know like we want to make a beer with Wawa coffee or they're like hey we see what you guys are doing with coffee and beer we want to like it's such a great partnership i mean bob's yeah. legendary status with making barrel-aged beers and coffee and just everything yeah. fits so great so why not have the best local coffee around
1: yeah so um it does make sense i uh, pretty much everybody i work with is a delaware county native or at least on the production side i am not i'm a western pa guy
0: Yeah, if you were Uh, from there, you would have said uh,
1: Delco, and you would have said it proudly with your chest poked out. So um, as far as, you know, I, I, like, people who grew up around Wawa's have, like, the most special relationship. with. Um, So it definitely made sense for a brew, like, ours to be a part of it. Uh, I do drink coffee. It's one of my favorite things. I arguably like coffee more than I like beer. Um, I do drink a lot of Wawa coffee, especially when uh, it's Wawa. You know coffee beer season because they drop off pallets and pallets and pallets and the beans that they get are very very good i was actually really surprised by you know when i can take it home and play with it with all my equipment that i have at home like four overs and stuff like that the coffee is just fantastic and you know i i do drink a ton of it when i can get my hands on i don't i don't think they sell those beans uh in the stores i think you can only just get it by the a cup of coffee but yeah taking it home it's wonderful it's fantastic it's really
0: really nice coffee yeah, I, 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 I always, always enjoy always the coffee fun. that I have uh, from Wawa there and it's great that you're getting to utilize it in such a, a positive yeah. way yeah uh, what's your uh, you Chemex pour over what's your uh, what's your system looking like
1: I just have uh, porcelain pour overs and a gooseneck kettle so nothing too crazy I used to use a scale because I wanted to be like super exact, but I stopped doing that. I just eyeball it now.
0: Yeah, well, Once you get your measurements done, you're pretty much close enough, you know, within a few grounds. You're like, oh, I'm not going to notice the difference. But yeah, that's uh,
1: I found that with a lot of things, especially in like brewing where it's just sort of like you can be exact and do everything to the T, but, you know, eventually you just get a feel for it. And you're like, yeah, it's fine. Just, you know, put a little bit of that in and it'll work. But only with certain things, other things have to be exact.
0: So. Absolutely. I think it's, but that's part of the process is like knowing the limits and knowing where you can play and the feel of brewing. Yeah. It, it's more of the art side of it than, you know, technically you learn where the guardrails are, but then the art happens in between there where you do the dance. Right. Yeah. yeah it's sort of like with IPAs, you know, it's like, how much of this do you throw in? Just throw the whole box
1: in. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's sort of where we got with IPAs.
0: But. Oh, man, there's a whole box in here. IPA is going to be on a can at some point, you know, I would think, in the next six months. We're starting to run short on names, so we'll take anything. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, Andrew, I really appreciate your time today. Um, before we get out of here, we do need to highlight the March beer uh, at Wise. Uh, every month we choose a different beer uh, and just kind of showcase it, ones that uh, I really enjoy. And this month we chose Up and Out. Uh, 6% hazy IPA, anything that showcases Cascade hops is uh, is great by me, but um, I love the beer. Uh, do you have any thoughts as the man behind the beer uh, that you could give us some insight into why this beer is so great?
1: You know, the Mosaic and Simcoe combination, very classic, like new hops, you know, they're fairly standard in a lot of the hazy IPAs. Uh, the thing that sets this beer apart, I think, is that I designed this beer to have a little bit of bitterness. Uh, so mm-hmm. it kind of, you know, blurs the line in between New England style and, you know, your classic old school IPA, which is what I wanted. I like bitterness. And, you know, it married quite well with all the tropical and blueberry notes that you get from the mosaic and Simcoe. And then with a lot of my IPAs, I like to, very early on at Iron Hill, somebody taught me that you need to have, you always need to have three flavors. And an IPA to make it well balanced. You need pine, you need citrus, and you need the dank factor. So that's why I chose the three hops that we use in Up and Out Cascade gives you the pine, uh, Simcoe gives you the tropical, and then the Mosaic gives you the dank. So that's the trifecta that I always learn to put together. So you know, not all of our IPAs are as balanced. We do try and uh, do some of like the more juice bomb type things using like hops like Citra and Idaho 7 is one of our big sellers. Uh, that beer is called uh, Dirty Money, and we make really Dirty Money, which is the triple version. So you know, up and out, it just it took off. It uh, just sort of came out of nowhere with the success. It just really hit the ground running. People just loved it immediately, and the success of that beer just exploded. Uh, it's our number one beer. It has been since we since, since we put it out. Um, and another really great thing about that is one of my favorite things that I get to do every year. Uh, well, it is my favorite thing that I get to do every year, especially with work. Uh, is that I travel to Yakima Valley, Washington to hand select all of the hops that we use for all of our beers for the upcoming year. Uh, so I get to really, you know, pick apart that beer from like all the way inside to the outside, um, down to like visiting the farm, you know, selecting, you know, this, this crop looks like it's going to be really good this year. So this is what we're going to go with. Um, you know that's sort of how up and out came to be uh, it changes subtly every year but it's just because of the differences in the hops and you know that climate changes every year some years it gets too much rain not enough uh, there are all the wildfires this year so that kind of devastated the entire area with all the smoke and the fire um, But yeah it's really fun beer we work really hard on you know making it consistent and you know I'm glad that everyone likes it and that it had so much
0: success well, I appreciate someone that's uh, you know speaking to the connection of the natural effects on beer because you don't hear enough about that. But honestly, you're making something that comes from agriculture. And you know, you rely yeah, absolutely. on beer is. That's why beer was made in the first place. It's great to see someone, you know, using their platform and speaking out about just using uh just awareness around why this beer is a little different each year because you know it was a wet growing season it was a dry growing season all these different factors so you're not trying to we have to make the same thing every time you're acknowledging that there can be limitations because of nature and we need to accept that and you know own our part of it and do what we can do to try to help mitigate some of those issues yeah i mean all all the materials they're a resource just like any other
1: Some years you have good years, some years you have bad years. And, you know, you just need to work around it however you can if
0: you're providing
1: the public these products. So,
0: Absolutely. You know. Well, yeah. I'm wishing you a very good year. Uh Ruby, thank you for your time. Uh Absolutely. We have uh, run out of time here. But uh if you are interested in any of the beer you uh, heard about today, check out 2SP, their website, social media. Uh, if you're ever in Aston, you should really check out that t- tasting room. It is phenomenal. So thank you, Ruby, everyone. Thank have you, a great day.